Well, there's a pretty good book out on the market today uh, and pretty timely also since uh, a lot of the uh, – a lot of the discussion around the uh, 2016 uh, campaign is uh, around immigration. Um, I've got a book in my hand called A Conservative and Compassionate Approach to Immigration Reform. This book was written by Alberto Gonzalez and David Strange. I've got David Strange on the phone right now, and uh, we're going to talk about the book. Good morning, David. How are you? I'm good. Thanks, Greg. Good to be with you. Yeah, thank you very much. Interesting book. Um, we uh, we don't have hours to, to take on all these questions and concerns, but uh, why don't we start with a little thumbnail uh, sketch on uh, what this book is about and why you are involved. Okay. Well, the starting point is um, immigration is a is a major issue for the United States. Uh, economic wealth, homeland stability, national security are all related to immigration. And our immigration laws and policies will have profound effects on our national security as we move forward um, in, the, in the coming years. And so um, the importance of immigration um, really is reflected, um, especially today in the news media. Um, and so that's, that's an example of of, of you know one story where the media picks up on um, that is actually very relevant, um, and and so uh, Alberto Gonzalez was at uh, Texas Tech University for a while a couple of years ago. Um, he and I got together um, and uh, agreed that that. Um, an immigration of, uh, approach sort of from a com- conservative perspective um, might be helpful because for a long time the Democratic Party um, had basically taken over the dialogue um, when it comes to immigration. That's changed dr- uh, dramatically with Donald Trump, um, but but nevertheless um, it, we came together and, and thought it would be a good idea to put forward sort of a, 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 a conservative approach um, to, to immigration reform. Okay, so we've got a lot of problems. Uh, we've had a lot of problems for decades and decades and decades. Um, we made uh, agreements with uh, the country of Mexico uh, years and years ago, past presidents, uh, to allow trade, to allow even – you know, some say the uh, uh, some say even allow some of the drug trade to come into the United States. So we know there's a problem with Mexico, and that's obvious because of our border situation. This book goes further than just Mexico, doesn't it? Sure. Yeah, it, it, we 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 take a, a broad approach in terms of any uh, unauthorized immigration. But of course, you know, just because of proximity. Mexico um, um, is always part of the the conversation. Um, go into your your uh, thoughts on sort of the the United States acquiescing um, to to Mexican immigration. Um, there's a you're right. There's a deep history in that. Um, you know, you it, one might immediately think of the Bracero program during World War II, where we had mm. you know many of our workers out fighting the the war and and so um temporary immigrants uh um were able to come in the united states under the bracero program for from from mexico and 
you know, and then today you have many people who will argue, well, you know, do you want to pay a dollar for a head of lettuce or do you want to pay $4 for a head of lettuce? Um, you know, the argument being that immigration, albeit illegal immigration, is good. Um, you know, it, hurt, it helps our economy. Um, it's something that, that, that we want, and, and as a result, the United States government has turned a blind eye um, to, to uh, illegal immigration um, for that and, and similar reasons. Um, but, of course, you know, you, you, we have many, many, many people um, who, will, who are standing up and saying, that's not good enough. And, of course, you know, Donald Trump and, and, and um, sort of the, the momentum he has gained reflects that. Yeah, he does, um, and I'm not too convinced that Trump is even doing this for the long haul because um, I got my own personal um, feelings about Trump. But why is well, you know, go ahead. Mm-hmm. You know the old saying: um, <laughs> "There's there's one way um, to, to to tell whether a politician's lying or not." And that is if his lips are moving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got that right. Yeah, I think I think that's part of the problem. Uh, I, I think that the American public has been desensitized to a certain point because we've had this ongoing discussion for years and years and years. And every time there's a new election, a new president, a new cabinet comes in, yeah, they start off talking about immigration. Nothing ever gets done. Nothing ever gets done. And, uh, um, you know, the reality is, is that the United States is not what it was 100 years ago, okay? Um, the United States is not a white country, I should say. It's extremely integrated, and, you know, I think that's great. This country was was founded on uh, immigrants. Um, I come from an immigrant family. So what's the solution to our immigration problem? What's your conservative approach? Well, um, you, you said a lot there. Um, and so let me address just a, a few things before I really answer the question. Um, you know, we used to, uh, going to what you, you mentioned, you know, we're not, quote, unquote, a white country um, so much anymore. You know, we used to have um, immigration based on a national origins quota, hmm. which is to say that if the population of the U.S. right now, if 90% of the population traced their heritage to, to Western Europe, 90% of the immigration quota would go to Western Europe. Mm. And, and that way the country maintained itself, so to speak, maintained its cultural identity, its cultural heritage. In 1965, that went away. The national origins uh, quota went away, um, and now it's just based on uh, family preferences um, and employment and, and other sort of um, miscellaneous forms of immigration relief. And so... From that, the immigration has really boomed from certain source countries, Mexico, of course, um, but, you know, other Asia, other countries as well, you know, so sure. the, the, the diversity, the diversity um, immigration system that we have now, whereby people are, are granted visas just for the sake of diversity purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, Nigeria, for example, or Africa has overtaken Western Europe and Really, you know, some many people argue that the real impetus behind that was to keep up Western European immigration because we're losing, quote-unquote, our whiteness or our Western European heritage. But even in that category, Africa 
for example, has overtaken uh, Western Europe. Um, and so, so you're right. Um, immigration is very different today than it was, uh, you know, a uh, hundred years ago. And so, in another part of what you just brought up, many people argue that we have a broken immigration system. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't think we have a broken immigration system. Mm-hmm. Um, every year, about a million uh, people immigrate to the United States. Every year in this last fiscal year, there were over 160 million non-immigrant admissions. Those are hefty numbers. That's not a broken immigration system, in my opinion. That's not to say that we can't improve. We can improve. We should improve. But it's not broken, um, in my opinion. And in our book, that's sort of the position that we put forward. And so in the book itself, we focus on ways to improve Um, our immigration system to sort of address the challenges of today, because the challenges of today are not the challenges of 100 years ago. Um, And the the starting point is this is a congressional issue. Um, Mm -hmm. Under the U.S. Constitution and in court interpretations, um, the duty of immigration is squarely allocated to Congress. And so that now becomes, you know, an issue with with the president taking large scale executive action, um, like the Obama administration with the uh, deferred action for childhood arrivals in, in in other steps. And you know, some people argue, well, the the uh, Reagan administration took large scale executive action affecting immigration, you know, affecting over one and a half million people, and that's just simply not true. That, of course, comes from the, uh, this idea comes from the uh, amnesty of the 1980s, where the Reagan administration said, okay, um, if we've granted amnesty to, to parent, but not to minor children, and the minor children, of course, live with the parents, or a single parent, and the minor child lives with the single parent, we'll entertain deferred action for, for those kids for family unity purposes. But in the end, less than 50,000 people applied for that program. Um, There was one senator who put forth an amendment saying, leaving these kids out can affect up to one and a half million people. That was just one guy's estimate. In the end, less than 50,000 people applied for the program. And so to to argue that, well, you know, President Obama's not doing anything different is simply not true. Um, and what he's doing now is very different. It is large-scale executive action in the immigration context on a scale like never before, and drastically on, on a scale like never before. So this is a congressional matter. You know, Donald Trump can, you know, speak a lot and, and puff up his chest a lot, and, and he can take certain um, positions you know, should he be the president? But in the end, it's going to come down to Congress moving forward on what Congress, in its wisdom, feels is the best immigration policy, the best immigration system to have. Um, in the end, we have to have that because if, if we can't regulate our immigration, then we're no longer a sovereign nation. Well, how the hell are we ever going to pass anything through Congress? <laughs> With with the current situation, I mean, come on, <laughs> the poor man gets into office, and you know they 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 put their arms on their chest and say, uh uh-uh, uh, you're not doing anything, buddy. And see, this is part of the problem I see. Yes, you you may be correct in that we have a good 
system in place. Uh, what is it? Nessers, the uh, National Security Entry Exit yeah. Registration System. Yeah, that's been in yeah. place for a long time. That uh, you know that bill that that pro- that that program was instituted to provide the federal government with records of people coming in, so we can you know. So we can sure. look at these folks. There's there's concerns. There's drug trade. There's guns. There's terrorism. All sure. this all this crap coming yeah. in. So how are we ever going to change this if it's totally up to Congress? Well, <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a great question. And so now that I mean that question is clearly beyond um, just immigration. Yes. Um, you know, it's addressing our system in in a system that's become increasingly. Uh, dysfunctional with partisan politics, et cetera. But in the end, under our system, yeah, it has to it has to go through Congress because we have a we have a tripartite system. You know, we've got a separation of powers. We've got the executive, the judicial, and the legislative branch. And so, if the, if one of those breaks down, then you know that speaks to our system itself. Um, you know. When President Obama a couple of years ago said, you know, I'm, I'm the president of the United States, I'm not the dictator of the United States. Of course, what he's addressing is we have a system of checks and balances. Um, and so, you know, President Obama, very smart man. And so when he says something like that, he's sending out a clear message to Congress. You know, come on, do your job. So you're right. If they just go up to Washington, cross their arms, and hold their breath, then, you know, we're in trouble. <laughs> um, but now we're speaking about the system itself. Um, and so unless, until we're willing to abandon that system, then we, we have to address immigration through the lenses of Congress. We must, because that's, that's the system that we have in place. And that's what the Constitution provides for. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with that, you know, some of the proposals that we've mentioned in our book is this has got to be a bipartisan approach. Right. You know, not everybody's going to get what they want. As right. we point out in our book, you know, immigration is sort of looked at as, you know, a this is, uh, you know, the Democratic Party's baby. You know, if you're a Democrat, you're for immigration if you're Republican, you're against immigration. Of course, you know, history doesn't show that to be to be true. Reagan gave us um, amnesty. The first Bush administration gave us the 1990 Immigration Act, which increased the number of immigrant visas. Um, George W. Bush administration gave us the Child Status Protection Act, where, you know, conversely, IRA-IRA, the Clinton administration signed into law IRA-IRA, which is a, a set of laws that have been very tough on immigrants introducing new grounds of inadmissibility, sometimes permanent grounds of inadmissibility for, for you know, just the normal person would consider, might consider minor infractions, even, even affecting little children who can become permanently inadmissible because of what their parents do. You know, under the Obama administration, the Department of Homeland Security took that step, imposing permanent bars on, on minor children. Um, it's not so much a, a, a Democratic or Republican Party issue with immigration. It, it, it can go both ways within, within the two parties. But there has to be a bipartisan approach to accomplish um, immigration reform, um, because otherwise, like you just said, they're going to just be sitting up in Washington with their arms folded across their chest and holding their breath saying, I'm not budging. And so that partisanship has to be removed to go forward with immigration reform. I always thought that 
Well, when I was, I grew up in the fifties. I'm, I'm 61, so I've gone through many, many things in, in recent history. But I always thought that you know public servants would go into office for the common good. Uh, of, of, of the people. <laughs> Here's my na- yeah. naivety. Um, and um, but uh, gee whiz, it's all about personal gain anymore, isn't it? So we 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 have a senator that's lobbying for that post, and and he's young. He's in his thirties, mid thirties or forties, and he's honestly, uh, truly concerned you know he wants to do good he wants to make a difference blah 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 he gets a seat he gets into congress over time he gets infected just like everybody else i think that we've lost we've lost compassion we've lost understanding we've lost the ability to look into these people's eyes and to listen to their stories and my god this country was founded on immigrants Bring me your tired. And so for me, a 61-year-old, seeing this stuff happen throughout the, the decades, I'm, I, I just don't, you know, my hands are up. I, I've had it. I've had it. You know, uh, the only thing I can do is touch as many people as I can within my own circle and maybe make a difference that way. But unless something drastically changes in the United States, uh, the mentality, I, I don't see anything I don't see any good coming in the near future. Am I wrong? Well, you're very, in my opinion, um, you're very right to look at this immigration issue in a much deeper level. And so, to me, you're, you're, you know, this is a very intellectual approach that you're taking. And, and I agree with you um, in the, how the politicians today are more influenced by their own personal gain um, rather than representing uh, their districts. And so, well, I think a starting point um, needs to be to sort of rein that back in, um, which to me would mean a, a less federal power. So in other words, the, the senators become accountable to the states like they were a hundred years ago, when the states would appoint the senators, um, you know. Cause today it's a direct election, so so a, a senator runs for office, the elected goes to Washington, and and then that's just that. But you know, before you know, 1920 or so, the uh, the state legislatures would appoint the senators. Right. Um, if, and if the senators did not go to Washington and do their job, the state legislatures could yank them back. Right. And so they, 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 there was that accountability. And so it seems to me as the, the federal government increasingly expands, um, then people are less represented. Yes. Um, and that's, that, of course, is just my opinion. Um, but there are many, many others who, who would agree with that. Um, but And so, you know, as a person goes to Washington, sort of Mr. Smith goes to Washington, um, but after six months or so, He's just completely out of touch. Mm-hmm. I spent the, the past year in Washington. I, I was just amazed by, good gracious, these people are just completely out of touch with the rest of America. So, for example, the, uh, the Department of Education. How, how does the Department of Education in Washington know what's best for the local school children in Des Moines, Iowa? I think I think the local school board in Des Moines, Iowa, knows what's best for the school children in Des Moines, Iowa. Not the bureaucrats in Washington D.C. with the Department of Education. So that's just one example. But you're right to me that that a lot of people are just 
you know, just throwing up their hands and giving up because, you know, we've got a real issue here. What's best for America? But also, these immigrants are people. You know, the United States has been known in history as being a compassionate people. You know, so for example, I remember when I was a kid, the story from World War II, the refugees in, in, the, uh, in, in the war-torn areas would say, if we can just get to the Americans, we'd be, we'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, today, we, we've lost sight on the real humanitarian aspect of, of immigration. And also, the politicians in Washington, you know, they care about only one thing. And that's themselves. See, and this, um, and this, not, yeah, no, yeah. I, I'm done. I'm done. Yeah, this scares the hell out of me. Um, my kids are in their 30s. Uh, they grew up with this technology. This technology, this world of technology, this social media uh, world is, it, to me, it's getting out of hand. It's desensitizing. We don't even call anybody anymore and talk to them. Everything's through. <laughs> You know, it's typed out. We don't. We can't even get angry anymore with someone. Remember the old days? You know, so you ordered yeah. something, it didn't come in. You called them up. Why the heck did you send me? You know, blah blah blah. Problem solved. <laughs> you know, it's even worse than um, you just mentioned. You went to Washington D.C. for a year. You come out of uh, Texas Tech. Um, so Washington was worse than academia? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> because That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, I worked in academia for uh, a short stint, and uh, I could not believe – well, I could understand totally why we didn't get things done. Uh, but uh, <laughs> But, no, I agree that – it should be up to the states. It should be a local issue. For crying out loud, you know, here I am in Pocatello, Idaho. This is a, a farming uh, belt in Idaho, a farming area. We've got lots of immigrants that have come in here over the over the uh, decades, Italians and Mexicans and Latinos. And, I mean, just a lot of people – this is a very diverse popul- uh, culture. And um, uh, they came here years ago because there was work. And so if you're a struggling town, a township, or if you're a struggling city, uh, why not? If you see a need for labor and you don't have the labor force, what's the problem? Yeah, the problem is, you know, we don't want bad guys coming in. Uh, We don't want more problems coming in. Well, then tighten up the screening process. Leave some basic jurisdiction at the local level because – when we, the mayor, uh, that mayor's from this community. That mayor has grown up in the community. He knows what's needed. He's elected mayor because we think he's going to do a good job and get us what we want. Well, if we think small that way, I think we're going to be able to solve. I'm not sure about the compassionate approach. I, I am totally convinced that as we go time, we're, we're losing compassion. Uh, we're losing the ability to be compassionate because of uh, because of law. Yeah. Well, um, again, you've brought up a, a ton of a, a ton of issues <laughs> I, I there. Yeah. That, uh, but just briefly on the issue of technology, I, I just recently saw a photo of a group of people standing before the Pope in 2005. Of course, you know you could see all the heads looking up at at the Pope. Yes. Um, a recent picture from this year. Um, shows a similar group of people um, standing in front of the Pope, and it, just about everyone in the picture, and these are hundreds and hundreds of people, 
um, are holding an iPhone or an iPad yes. recording recording the Pope. Yes. Um, and that's less than 10 years ago. Um, so technology is, is really just taking over, and, and it desensitizes us in many ways. You know, there are studies now that show the pathways in your brain actually change. They become rearranged. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, that, that's a, a, a side issue. But in the terms, in, in um, the immigration uh, sense, um, talking about uh, moving forward and, and sort of being compassionate, going back to compromise. Compromise is going to be necessary. Not everybody's going to uh, get what they want. In our book, we've proposed a pathway to nationality rather than a pathway to citizenship. Mm. And, and some people sort of view that as controversial and, and wanting to take uh, advantage of, of immigrants. But, you know, I, obviously I don't think so. I, I think if we, if we come up with a pathway to nationality, that can alleviate concerns of Republicans and conservatives who think, well, the, you know, the immigrants are going to come in and just vote, you know, for the Democratic Party going forward. Well, pathway to nationality would, would allevi- alleviate that concern, but it'd also be very compassionate. No other country in the world that I'm aware of is offering just a blanket pathway to nationality for a large group of people that just want to come out of the shadows to get that sort of Damocles um, from mm. uh, hanging over their head. Mm. Um, a lot of people will say, well, that, you know, you would create a two-tier system in the United States. Well, we already have a two-tier system because mm. um, we've got green card holders, mm-hmm. lawful permanent residents. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this would be very similar. So that's just an example of, you know, moving forward with immigration reform that might require compromise, but also still maintain elements of, of compassion and what's best for the United States. Right. What's best for the United States. What's best for the United States is ultimately what's best for us. Um, and I hope this book brings to light some discussion. A conservative and compassionate approach to immigration reform written by Alberto Gonzalez and David Strange. Uh, David Strange is a managing partner at the law firm of Wittenberg Strange and Walker PC in uh, Texas, I, I s- assume. <laughs> and you're also a uh, adjunct professor of law at Texas Tech University. How do you like your job? I, I like it a lot. Um, you know, in, engaging with the, the students, Mm-hmm. Um, on one hand, really keeps you on your, your toes. Mm-hmm. Private practice um, is, is really fulfilling because we're able to contribute not only to you know the United States society, um, but also to help a lot of good people. Well, I hope your students listen to you. I don't know you from Adam, but uh, feel you're uh, you're a good man, and uh, you've got some uh, you got some substance behind you. I think you're addressing a problem that most people a don't think about um most people don't know about most people don't care this is a problem and uh i'd like to see us open our arms a little bit wider yes there's concerns but surely with the uh with the technology and the brain power that we have available in the world today i'm sure we can come up with some or some solution to this problem (laughs) not too sure about our uh officials but well this has been a good talk um david i hope uh, i hope you had an okay time uh this was uh this was fun for me and uh yeah I, uh, this, this was this was fun for me too you brought up a lot of provocative issues in in a very thoughtful and deep 
um, uh, sort of way. And so this was this was a good conversation. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. I'm I'm quite honored to have that coming from uh, a person of your statue. A conservative and compassionate approach to immigration reform. Uh, David Strange has been on the phone with me. I urge everyone to uh, get this book online and pick it up right away. Go to your library and read it. Nah, go online and buy it. (laughs) Um, This is Chapter One with Greg Grasso and David Strange. Uh, Thank you very much.